Hello, and welcome to another episode of Envisioneering Exchange, the podcast where industry leaders discuss the most important topics in sustainability, climate change, buildings, and urban efficiency. I'm Vic Marinich, Global Marketing Director for Danfoss, and I'm delighted to be the host of this podcast. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we have Fleming Nielsen on the show to talk about corporate, environmental, social, and governance, or ESG goals. Why companies are adopting them, and how can they make them a part of their company mission. Fleming is the interim head of group sustainability and ESG at Danfoss. Fleming, it's an honor to have you on the show. So Fleming, you've been involved with the creation of Danfoss uh, ESG goals and obviously have a lot of insights to share. Maybe why don't we start off by explaining what ESGs are and why companies are adopting them right now? Yeah, let's uh, do that. And thanks a lot for inviting me on the show. It's an honor to be here and share a little bit of our experiences on implementing ESG. And what is ESG? It stands for Environment, Social and Governance and is the new way of pronouncing sustainability. It's not uh, something very new, but it's a different way of organizing all what we have been doing for years on sustainability and climate impact. Now, once a company decides that they want to integrate ESGs with their mission, how do you go about developing and adopting them? The first thing you have to be careful about is your starting point. You need to start by investigating what's your current state. Where are you at the moment? What are you doing? What are your gaps? What are your challenges? In other words, do a 360-degree evaluation on yourself and the company's position. Okay. And so what kind of things would a company be looking at, as you say, when they're doing that 360-degree evaluation? If you look into the different topics uh, under the ESG umbrella, you'll find topics like climate control, energy consumption, some of the, let's say, usual things around environment like waste, pollution, resource consumption. But you'll also find topics uh, within the social area like ethics, human rights, how you treat your employees. And if you look into the governance part, you'll find issues like uh, supply chain management and reporting, transparency of data, So depending on where you are, how mature you are as a company, there are different ways of of getting started. But I would suggest to take a look at what your current processes are. Are you in the manufacturing business? Then it's obvious to start from the production and look at your resource consumptions, your emissions, your waste handling, simply to get some tangible data that you can relate to and then build upon that to investigate more about your human rights management, your human resources, uh, even chipping into the financials of the company. And what are your thoughts? Why do you see this becoming uh, more and more visible now? Is it really an inside-out push from the companies, or are you seeing uh, pressure coming from uh, society and from other stakeholders into being a, a bit more focused on these ESGs? In Danfoss, we see a huge pressure coming from the outside. We see pressure coming from the customers, especially the big global companies are pushing for more transparency, more data, more accountability on sustainability issues. But we also see it from investors, from the banks, 
from the different financial institutions because ESG is also a way to measure the company's handling of these topics. So it can also be put into a framework which makes it measurable. As you first kick this off within a company, I can imagine a lot of people think uh, automatically, right, more paperwork, more effort, right, more things to be done. So how do you go about educating employees and then even customers to make sure you get their buy-in into this process, right? What kind of steps can a company take to educate internally and externally to make sure you get the support going forward? On the uh, internal lines, I think it's important to... uh, First of all, have buy-in from management, of course, because they have to support that uh, you use time and, and efforts on this. But it's also important to include uh, key stakeholders internally in the company in the process, because you have to rely on, on their input to understand what you're doing. Once you have made a lot of the assessments, you can then start spreading out the message to the rest of the employees to make them understand what is cooking in the company, why are we doing this, building up the narrative around why, how, and what. When it comes to uh, educating your stakeholders outside the company, being both the customers and your suppliers, it's about having some tangible targets to focus on to avoid making this too fluffy. There are a lot of buzzwords around on ESG, but most of us prefer some very tangible and straightforward targets to discuss. So narrow it down to a few things that you can address with your customers, with your suppliers, stick true to that, and work your way through those targets together in a partnership. So now I think we have a good understanding of the overall concept of what ESG goals are or might be. But then can you maybe tell us a bit more specifically now about the Danfoss ESG goals why did we choose those goals? Yeah, we uh, started at a point where we for many years have been focusing on a lot of these topics within sustainability and ethics. But we also felt the necessity of stepping up to keep up with competition, but also to make ourselves even more attractive to our customers. So we looked at what are we actually doing in Danfoss for a living? That is very much around making the world a better place, enabling the customers to be more efficient in the manufacturing process, in the use of energy. So standing on the shoulders of that, we looked into, okay, what can we then do to enable that even more from a sustainability perspective? And after the assessment, the choice fell on three main topics or step change initiatives, as we call them. One is decarbonization, which puts both inwards and outwards. Internally, we want to be CO2 neutral by 2030 in our operations, convert all our company cars to EVs. And externally, we want to boost even more the cooperation with our customers to make them able to decarbonize their business. To enable the focus on the low-carbon products that we also want to sell to customers, the second topic we focus on is Uh, circularity, making waste a resource, making sure that we do not generate more waste than can be recycled in a reasonable manner, making sure that we don't explore the raw materials magazines around the world more than reasonable. And the third element, which might even be the most important to us, 
is diversity and inclusion, aiming at making the workforce diverse and included. Diverse in the way that we assume that the more diverse workforce we have, the more great ideas we can generate, the better cooperation we have across the different teams. But in order to make people feel welcome in the company, a lot of focus has also to be put on inclusion, through inclusion councils, through a lot of working groups that cross-cut all the different barriers internally in the company. Fantastic. So we talked decarbonization, circularity, diversity, and inclusion, three things that I think everybody can agree are, are very important, especially uh, in this day and age. And as a sneak peek, we will be having a, another podcast uh, specifically around diversity and inclusion, so stay tuned for that. Now, can you describe maybe the process that Dan Foss went through to develop and implement these ESGs? I mean, it's not just a group of people in a room and you send an email and everything's going great, right? So how did things go and, and how did you roll the uh, goals out? Yeah, so a little bit more complicated than that. Of course, in a big company like ours, we also have the ability to, to allocate resources. But we chose from the beginning to also uh, hire some external consultants to get an outside in view on the company. We might be able to find most of what we need internally, but also from an outside perspective, it's important to get the full picture. So we started uh, last year in, in the spring by drawing up this, uh, could we call it a baseline of where we are, what's the current status. We did uh, some stakeholder interviews with potential customers, existing customers. We talked to uh, NGOs, to financial institutions, to opinion makers around the world, regulators, to get a full picture of how was their perception of our current state and what was their perception of where we want to be in four, five, ten years. All of that was put into what is called a materiality assessment matrix, where we rank all the different topics in ESG on two parameters, the importance to us as a company and the importance to our stakeholders. And if you imagine such a chart, you just have to pick from the right upper hand corner. And there you have the most important topics to start dealing with, because that's the highest impact on you and the highest impact on your stakeholders. And then from that point, we built a project organization involving all the different stakeholders internally in the company, segments, uh, the management groups, employees across the different uh, parts of the organization. We had, I guess, around 40 to 50 people, more or less full-time involved during half a year of drawing up the picture of where we want to be. And that all resulted in a plan that was launched uh, in the beginning of this year with the focus of making this happen through ownership in the organization. Even though we're building up an uh, organization also on group level, in group sustainability, it's really important to emphasize the importance of getting everybody on board. Or as Global Compact is saying, leave nobody behind. We cannot afford to lose people in this process because if they get demotivated or derailed even, we are so having so hard time getting back on track. So it's really about doing it kind of the traditional way when it comes to property management, 
design your organization, design your processes, make sure that you listen to people and make sure that they feel heard. And finally, draft up a good, solid plan, rather take small steps than large steps to create the successes you need to convince also the skeptical part of the organization that this is the way forward. Yeah. So that must be a pretty big uh, task. You mentioned 40 or 50 people uh, working on this, but we're talking about a global initiative, everything from the production workers up through the executive committee and everything from the US, Europe, China, right down into uh, Middle East and so on. So that's really a diverse group of people. Did you really have to fine tune everything per region, per person? How did you go about making sure the message was understood by really everybody in the organization? From group, we have decided to make basically one message to the entire organization and then link up with local people in the regions, in the factories to tailor it to the local needs. Because we cannot create a one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to ESD. You have different legislation in the US versus China. You have different cultures where also have to pay respect to how a message is passed on to the employees. You have different management traditions, and all that has to be factored in locally. We can advise from group, we can make sure that we hand out materials that can be localized. And one good example of what we're doing uh, right now is uh, to launch a campaign to water production workers around the uh, different factories in the world and the uh, idea is to have one top-level message coming out, but localizing it to the extent necessary. We're developing some uh, materials now which uh, are going to be translated to 14 different languages. And the next step uh, building upon that is then to localize it uh, depending on local needs. You mentioned one of the three uh, ESG goals that Dan Fossa selected was decarbonization. As part of our decarbonization goals, we've decided to adopt science-based targets. Can you maybe talk for a minute about, one, what science-based targets are and, and how that uh, uh, differentiates what we're doing here, and then why they were adopted and how they're guiding Dan Foss? Sure. Science-based targets in its nature is something that originate from the Paris Agreement back in 2015 where the world agreed to limit the global warming to below 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2030. In order to achieve that goal, the science-based targets framework gives us all our reasonable portion of the burden to achieve those targets. That means that if you adhere to the science-based targets methods, you calculate your current emissions, and the pathway towards 2030 in a way that is aligned with science, with the uh, UN uh, framework for climate assessment, with the greenhouse gas protocol. And that ensures that you take your fair share of the pie to get towards limiting the warming to 1.5 degrees. It's a little bit of a complicated model because there are a lot of guidelines to it. But in essence, it makes sure that depending on your industry, you're giving a certain portion of CO2 emissions that you should remove from the surface of the Earth. Of course, the more heavy you are on emissions, 
the bigger portion you are expected to take care of. So it sounds like, as you mentioned, these uh, science-based targets are really guidelines and procedures to make sure that all companies then across all regions, across all different industries are, let's say, playing by the same rules, right? We know we hear uh, oftentimes some companies are trying to greenwash their uh, annual reports and they know that climate and sustainability are becoming important to their stakeholders. So they try to make some nice uh, fluffy statements, but really using these science-based targets are making sure that Danfoss is using internationally approved and agreed upon guidelines to get our ESGs moving. Is that right? Yes, basically about creating a level playing field for everybody so that uh, once you sign up for that, you can be sure that you are assessed in the same way as your competitors and you do not have people that uh, do less than they're expected because you also have to report on your progress on an annual basis. So somebody is monitoring on what you're doing. So you cannot just get away from it by claiming that you're doing something but leaning back and doing nothing in reality. You'll be scrutinized if you are not delivering on your performance targets. Right. So based on how we've gone down this path so far, maybe have some lessons learned uh, from uh, Dan Foss that you can share with uh, some companies that are just at the beginning of this journey into science-based targets? I think some of the learnings that we have are also applicable to pretty much any other company. The starting point is very important. Understanding your company's DNA, your company's heritage, where do it come from? What is your present history on sustainability, on climate, on energy? And working your way slowly from there towards framing the project. It's very important to find out what is in scope and especially what's not in scope in such a project. Because you could easily end up having a project that outgrows your expectations or even your abilities to work with us. Don't overdo it. Don't set up more expectations than necessary. That's one of the biggest learnings from us. And then it's also a matter of engaging with the right people in the organization. You have a formal management structure, but you also have people around that are informal leaders or informal opinion makers. They need to be drawn in because a lot of them sit with invaluable information that can be used in the project. Do we have any best practices maybe that you can recommend for some of these other companies? And, and of course, this isn't all just industrial firms, but really anybody can jump onto this ESG program, right, uh, moving forward. So any best practices you can share with our audience? I think uh, when it comes to, uh, to looking towards the best in class, you could easily end up looking at something which is, to many companies, not achievable because it's simply too big a system or big approaches. I would suggest not for a start to look at science-based targets because that could be overcomplicating things, but perhaps look into some of the ESG assessment or rating frameworks that already exists out there. There's one that we are using called Ecovadis, where you can sign up either as a customer or a supplier, and then you can go through a rating scheme where you can, as a self-assessment tool, assess where are you on a lot of these ESG parameters. And that will give you a good feeling of your current state and also your improvement potential. And that's also something that is recognized across industries, so that it's not something where we start inventing 
the wheel ourselves, but relying on somebody else's uh, opinions and uh, assessments. There are also a lot of free tools available out there. So if you just Google for ESG assessment tools or ESG in general, you'll find a lot of these uh, free questionnaires or survey systems that enables you to get a fairly good starting picture of, of all of this. Of course, there are also the very expensive systems hosted by all of the consultants, but that's not really necessary to get started. You can always uh, enter into those frameworks later if you need even more expertise. But upfront, it's a lot about do-it-yourself through these uh, questionnaires, as long as they are recognized across industries instead of being invented just around the corner. Right. So, I mean, it sounds like you're saying don't let perfection be the enemy of uh, good, right? The important thing is get started. This is uh, an important topic, an important effort. Try to draw up this picture of the elephant, so to say, and, and find out where do you want to be? What's your aspiration for the future? Fantastic. Well, thanks a lot, Fleming. That's it for this episode of Envisioneering Exchange. I'd like to thank my guest, Fleming Nielsen, the interim head of group sustainability and ESG at Danfoss for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to Envisioneering Exchange on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate, review, and share it with your network. Thanks for listening and talk to you next time. This podcast is for information purposes only. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Envisioneering Exchange podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and not necessarily represent those of Danfoss LLC and its employees. Danfoss LLC is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening on this site. This podcast series does not constitute professional advice or services. This podcast, including Danfoss LLC and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects of information contained herein. Opinion of guests are their own, and Danfoss LLC in this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about the guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Envisioneering Exchange podcast site assume no liability for any activities in connection with this podcast or for use of this podcast in connection with any other web website, computer, or playing device.